lot of things in society would be elevated with the right psychedelics combined with it, whether that's performance athletics or brain power, whatever kind of things we're talking about. You know, people who are in drug and treatment, drug and alcohol treatment, you know, AA, uh, that program was created with psychedelics. I feel like we're in a, in a moment, a crisis moment right now where the psychedelics are almost here to like avert us going off as humans off the cliff in the 11th hour, the psychedelics are here. That everyone is Zappy Zappelin. He's a well-known futurist, psychedelic concierge to the stars, an award-winning filmmaker who's dedicated to the expansion of human consciousness. You do not know anybody quite like Zappy. And Zappy knows where psychedelics are going. He knows how they can help people. And that's part of what he does is help figure out which psychedelics in what amounts and when will help people grow to optimize their performance. In this conversation, we go deep into the crazy wild world of psychedelics. We talk about up levels in awareness and performance through psychedelic medicine. He makes some predictions about what the future of psychedelics look like. We talk about ketamine. We talk about psychedelics as a pathway to a better mind, to better meditation and greater mental wellness. This is a really eye-opening conversation with one of the most uniquely suited and uniquely skilled psychedelic leaders in our world. There's no exaggeration there. In this episode, I encourage you to keep an open mind about what you think you know about psychedelics, because if you listen to this podcast, you know that I am a huge fan of them, and I think that they can help many, many people, and I think it's just a matter of time, and Zappy agrees with me. He's got a couple of really cool organizations that he has created to help people be their best selves, like the Mind Army and the Ketamine Fund. This is a really fascinating conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. Before we dive in, I just want to say thank you to the X3 Bar for sponsoring this episode. The X3 Bar is your all-in-one exercise equipment because I believe in order to have optimal performance in your life, in your brain, you got to be optimizing your body as well. And the X3 Bar is 10-minute workouts a day, six days a week. It's hard. It's fast. And it is so effective at helping you build muscle, something that I've been using for years and I absolutely love it. You can use the code OPP for $50 off the X3 bar system. It will be the last piece of exercise equipment you'll ever purchase in your life. I know it is for me. Before we also dive into this episode, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining this conversation. And I encourage you to reach out. You can find me on Instagram at McCormick. You can find me online at seanmccormick.com. I invite you to engage. If you've got thoughts or feelings, strong opinions, I want to hear them. I want to hear them. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so excited to bring you this incredible episode with Zappy Zappelin. Welcome everyone to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. And we're here with Zappy Zappelin. He's a psychedelic concierge, which I love that terminology. Zappy, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Hey, I'm psyched to be here. I mean, psychedelics and, uh, and psychedelic concierging, the whole thing is just about optimal performance. So it's very apropos. Awesome. Well, let's go there then. Uh, when in terms of um, the use of psychedelics for performance, how, how do you how do you perceive psychedelics and their potential to to help people optimize their performance? I mean, I, I think this is really the the thing that we've needed as a society because we as we've done optimal performance to this point, it's always been in like a certain range or a certain frequency, and everybody tells us you know, you can only use 5% of your brain and that's what you're using. So work within that. And that is a limiting factor in a lot of, you know, peak performance, whether that's intelligence or even just mindset. And so I've never seen anything like this before, as far as being able to, you know, take somebody into a totally different mind state 
in one experience. And so for me, this is sort of, you know, really the opportunity, like, you know, you see those movies where they have the limitless drug and they're like, you turn on 80% of your brain, what would that be like? And I've looked at scans, you can see them, uh, the UK Guardian put out scans in one of their publications about a brain on ketamine, which is a psychedelic that uh, is a dissociative. And it shows clearly in those scans that, you know, 80% of your brain is turned on. So I'm like, hey, we have the limitless drug. <laughs> it's here. We just really have to change our thinking about what these things are so we can use them for optimal performance. I recently did an, uh, an episode with Dylan Bynan, and uh, we, we talked all about ketamine. And we spent a lot of time, um, I, I asked him, he said, I asked him a question that he had never been asked before, which is what is ketamine like? What's the experience like? We talked mm-hmm. about therapeutic benefits and the at-home service. And I know that, that that's a big part of what you do professionally. In, in your perspective on uh, specifically with ketamine. Tell us about your work with it and tell us about the power that it has for people, especially now. Um, So, you know, as a psychedelic concierge, I've worked with a lot of different medicines, all the different catalysts, and I've tried them myself and had my own experiences. But I think ketamine, what's so exciting is it's really like a Western medicine way for people to get in here because it's FDA approved. It's very safe. A lot of studies at Yale and other universities, Johns Hopkins. So it's really approachable. That's what I like about it. And also, you know, when you do plant medicine, there's a lot of dieting and things you have to do before, you know, and and afterwards integrating that into your your life. And, And that can be a real challenge and take a lot of time. What I've noticed with ketamine, because it it basically, you don't have to do all that integration work and prep because you're doing the work in that experience. And, you know, to your point about what Dylan was saying about what is ketamine like, I can tell you that from my perspective, it's basically an opportunity where it's a dissociative. So it's not a hallucinogenic where the walls are melting and everything. It's just like disassociating your left and right brain and allowing them to communicate without your ego being involved which is a big part of, you know, non-peak performance is like your, your fears and everything. So it lets them operate. And you go into this state about five minutes into the ketamine, where you're in this present moment awareness state, where there's, it's just now, there is literally no future and no past where you are. And when you're in that situation, you can really look at things. Time can go by very slowly in that. And you can have a lot of reflection and experience but what's exciting to me about ketamine beyond just you know being in that state of mind and being there almost like you meditated and I've been meditating for you know 25 years or so and I sometimes get to a state like that but it's hard to stay there you know you pop out of it and you can't sustain it and but with the ketamine it's like in this sustained present moment awareness And in the hours after the ketamine metabolizes, it actually grows new neural pathways in your brain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, you know, have trauma-based patterns where they're like, you know, I'm a failure. I, you know, ruined my family or whatever. They might have patterns that are hereditary, like in their DNA, that they don't even know why things are triggering them in whatever way. And the ketamine, it's like, it gets into that. It's like a frequency and it gets into this space. And as you're there, you're really able to look at things from a kind of third party perspective in some cases. And when you come out of the ketamine experience, those things that were maybe challenging or triggering, they don't have the same charge on them. It's not like they didn't happen or they didn't exist, but the charge is different. And I just think that's so miraculous because, you know, we're in this society where everybody's going, going, going. And it's really hard for people to just like, you know, sit back you know, take one breath and just, you know, calm themselves and get themselves centered. And so here you are like, you're automatically centered and you stay there sustained. And then it wears off really quick, you know, 15 minutes after this 45 minute experience, it's like nothing happened. You walk out, you can go get a smoothie, whatever, but you kind of did the work in there. So it's not like you're thinking afterwards, like, oh my God, what did that mean? Mm. What was the, mm?" it's like, no, you were there. You get it. You're, you're calm. And then you have these new neural pathways that 
you know, you get to go from present moment into the future. You're not really worried about, oh, what might happen with my mom 30 years ago. It's like, who, you're like, I don't care. I'm right here and I'm going forward. Mm. So it's a really amazing opportunity that we have to switch our brains on, you know, to that 80% limitless level. And because it's so safe, they use this on children. It's the number one anesthetic used by oral surgeons on children because it's fast acting, wears off quick, doesn't affect your breathing. It's just a very safe thing. And I'll, I'll add one other thing because people sometimes say, oh, ketamine, oh, that's synthetic. I wouldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. And it turns out it's really actually very organic. You know, they take some crystal, say, take some salts and some minerals and they process it. And this new ketamine crystal appears. And so you take that crystal. And what I really like about it is it's very uniform where plant medicine, you know, mm. whether it's mushrooms or ayahuasca or anything, uh, where they were grown, the legacy of the soil and how they grew and who harvested them and brewed it. It's like all that energy is in there. But the ketamine is like this micro crystal that's the same every time. There's no legacy. So it really doesn't ever even turn into what somebody would call a bad trip. Hmm. It's like kind of takes you right down the middle. If you try to go negative, it brings you back. If you try to go real manic, it's just going to bring you back to the middle. So for me, for Western society, it's a great place for people to start. And I think, you know, five years from now, you'll just do ketamine first before you try any of these antidepressants and things with all the side effects and things like that. But, you know, Timothy Leary, Back in the even in the uh, in the seventies when he was testing ketamine uh, with groups and things, uh, he wrote a paper where he said that ketamine basically their understanding is it locks this uh, aspect of your brain that allows it to you know release the supercomputer that you have there. He said nothing else will do it, not LSD, not mushroom, nothing but ketamine. If you want to unlock that highest potential area. And he even said, you know, that the possibility is that when you're there, you're in contact with yourself from the future, coming back to help yourself in the present moment. Hmm. So you talk hmm. about optimal performance, like how would you like to have the person of yourself from the future right here helping you? It's, it's a miracle that we have this right now. Beautiful. Wow. What a great characterization of it. I, I really like that. And I, there's a couple of things that I want to kind of key in on. You know, one of which is is the future of psychedelics and their 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 application for where we are as a culture. So I definitely want to get into their get into that in a little bit. And I wanted to comment just on one thing. You know, for for a lot of people who have trouble starting a, a dedicated and effective meditation practice, for people who are just their baseline is just overwhelmed. You know, especially now, right? It may take them months and months and years to get to a point where they just have that experience of disassociation, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they get it for a moment right before they fall asleep. Maybe they get for a moment as soon as they wake up. Maybe they go float in a float tank, which is a practice near and dear to my heart. But if there is a way for people to get there faster and safely, potentially by themselves, with efficacy so that they can get just a, just a taste of what that state of consciousness feels like. And it gives them hope to be able to yeah. explore other ways to make that a part of their normal life. So I really like, I really like how you characterize that. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I mean, it is difficult, especially today where we're coming out of a pandemic and everybody has some kind of PTSD related from the last year and a half of this. Plus, we had before that a suicide, addiction, depression, epidemic going on. So it's like, and then your phone, all the technology. It's like, I don't think our brains are even meant to handle this level of information and media and stuff coming at us. And it feels like, like Timothy Leary was saying, it's like the ketamine is here, like basically helping us to quickly evolve our brain, you know, to create new patterns. Because, you know, I, I have found from my psychedelic experience that it really helps my meditation. You know, I've, I've carved some grooves in there where when I meditate now and, you know, I, I got trained in meditation maybe 25 years ago. It was a transcendental meditation type technique with a mantra. I later during my filmmaking work 
you know, learn transcendental meditation and it was the same thing. And so I was like, all right, awesome. But the idea is that it is hard to get into those grooves and drop into that transcendent space and stay there. And so what I've found is since my psychedelic experience, I can kind of close my eyes, start my mantra, start to get there. And then all of a sudden I see like a groove and I'll just ride this groove and be into this very deep space. Maybe I think much faster than I would be without. And I think, you know, a lot of things in society would be elevated with the right psychedelics combined with it, whether that's, you know, uh, performance athletics or, you know, uh, brain power, whatever kind of things we're talking about. Uh, you know, even, uh, you know, people who are in drug and treatment, drug and alcohol treatment, you know, AA, uh, that program was created with psychedelics and, uh, you know, it was taken out. And so you think about, wow, you know, that without this piece, it's, you know, it's, it's effective for say 5% of people, but with the right psychedelic compound, especially maybe something like ibogaine or ketamine treatments to build up that neuroplasticity with a good daily practice, that's the kind of regiment that I think really, you know, could help everybody in society. We could benefit from, you know, like right now we're saying psychedelics, but in the future, these are just going to be you know, it's going to be like fluoride in the water. You know, your kid's born, they're going to give you like some CBD. When you're a certain age, they're going to give you, you know, something else. If you have any kind of, a, you know, a rite of passage, they might give you, you know, some, some mushrooms or something that, you know, just we're going to integrate these into our, our mental health, our society, our, 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 you know, our future. And, uh, you know, I was saying to you, you know, earlier that, um, I feel like we're in a, in a moment, a crisis moment right now where the psychedelics are almost here to like avert us going off as humans off the cliff in the 11th hour, the psychedelics are here. And I say that because, you know, uh, Ray Kurzweil, the futurist says that in 2040, we're going to have reached singularity where somebody's going to be like directly connected their brain to the internet with the cloud. And with AI running all kinds of sequences with that. And according to Ray Kurzweil, he says in 2040, somebody connected like that is going to be 1 billion times more intelligent than, they, than you are today. A billion times. So it's like, that means that every single person is going to have the ability to destroy the world and destroy areas and create a bomb or create. And you think about, wow. Uh, a teenage kid who's upset or whatever would actually have the ability to destroy and all of us. And I think we have to right now, you know, try to get a critical mass of people to do psychedelics so that they can emerge with more empathy. And then if we have enough people with higher consciousness and more empathy, then we'll be able to handle this type of technology in the future without you know, one person being able to destroy everything. And mm -hmm. so we, you know, we can't wait till 2039 and go, oh, you know, hey, how are we going to get people to be conscious? I think we have to start right now. And that's what this psychedelic renaissance movement is about, uh, is really, I think, raising the collective consciousness so we can handle this type of power. I totally agree. Many of these compounds we've been using and experiencing in different cultures across the planet without listing all of them, you know, there's, there's, there's hints, you know, all, all the way back to Soma and, you know, the transformation in the mystery schools. I think you're right. I think that it's time, time to start making some plans and to become increasingly intentional. One thing that, that I find interesting is, is that empathy, right? What else beyond, besides empathy might a more integrated psychedelic society or, or world, what, what else might that activate in us going forward? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, the reason that I, I always say empathy, I'm like lumping it into empathy is just like, it's like the difference to me between being able to think about something and go, oh man, there's people dying of hunger. Ah, oh, that's such a bummer. What could I do? You know, kind of thing. And then all of a sudden the phone rings and there's a crisis and you're like, oh, well, you know, you're over here. With empathy, it's like you step into that other person's shoes. You like feel what they're feeling. And when you feel what somebody's feeling, it's like you don't just dismiss it. And I'm just, 
in general thinking, I think it's like a collective consciousness as well. Beyond empathy, it's like this collective consciousness where we could say, oh, wait a minute, what about, you know, the person living across the world right now? Or what about, you know, 50 years from now, what's the water situation going to be? We could start to like, you know, think about these future things because we're not so caught in the moment just trying to put out fires. And I think Mm. that's what these psychedelics do is beyond empathy. They're just putting you in a place where you can be like, okay, everything, you know, is like not on fire. Let's now think into the future about what, you know, things we need to, you know, collectively think about before they happen Mm. and not just keep this you know, reactive phase that we've been in uh, going because that's, it's unsustainable. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. And, and one thing that I think that a lot of people, for those who are, who have not used psychedelics in a while, or maybe they, you know, had some mushrooms at a house party in the eighties. And that was the last time that they, um, that they, that they've touched it um, is, that each of us have something that we can do. Each of us have uh, something that we can contribute to humanity. And if you're a shoemaker, make shoes. If you're a massage therapist, you know, touch people. And one thing that I really love and what is at the cornerstone of this podcast is uh, what's this all for? Why are we biohacking, right? Why would, why is red lights and saunas and cold plunges uh, and, you know, handy dandy, you know, biomarkers and, um, health trackers, what, what's it all for? And, and I believe that it's all for us to raise our vibration, to, to be the best version of ourselves so that we can contribute something back. And I, and I know that you agree with me on this is that psychedelics is taking that even one step further. So not only do you know how the energy and the clarity of thought with lowered stress so that you're better for yourself, your community and the planet, but also that psychedelic experience or numbers of psychedelic experiences can help you help show you what your thing can be and how you can be of service. And uh, I get the sense that, you know, as a psychedelic concierge, that's a big, that's a, that's maybe that's exactly like center of the bullseye for what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, as a psychedelic concierge, what I'm generally doing is almost like a psych- like a concierge at a hotel. You go up to them and you say, hey, where should we go to dinner tonight? And they ask you some questions. You know, do you like music? Do you want wine, indoor, outdoor? You know, what kind of food? And they make a recommendation. Me, I'm talking to somebody about, you know, what is their intent for what they're doing and what kind of traumas do they have that they're trying to heal from? And so, For example, Lamar Odom, the basketball player, Kardashian, who's in my latest film, uh, Lamar Odom Reborn, I gave him a psychedelic intervention and I filmed it, but I made up a formula for him that's basically was based on that information. It was ketamine plus plant medicine plus a daily practice like meditation or breathing equals a conscious transformation. And that formula could be different for different people but you know his plant medicine was ibogaine which is an african root that can break an addiction a heroin addiction a meth addiction anything in one single you know 12 hour session that's what he needed somebody else you know maybe they're out of touch with nature and they need to do some san pedro cactus that connects you immediately to nature uh if somebody needs a hug from their grandmother maybe it's ayahuasca And if somebody, you know, maybe they're not feeling any joy or fulfillment, you know, maybe they just need to microdose some mushrooms. And I think that, you know, finding somebody who can tell you basically what they think you need in that, in that regard is the key, because it's kind of like these things are, haven't been studied for 50 years. They've been taboo and illegal. So universities haven't been able to study and, and just like marijuana, you know, it's been grown in this taboo way where nobody cared how many CBD was in it or how, you know, what terpenes or whatever, they didn't even know to ask. And so as we get more sophisticated, hopefully we can like demand the right to use these uh, compounds right now in this mental health crisis that we all have to be a little bit more aggressive about demanding the right, because, you know, for me, it's 2021. It's like, I'm not going to sit here and have somebody tell me uh, the government or anybody uh, that alcohol is good 
tobaccos good, but you know, psilocybin mushrooms, no, bad off the table, even if you're a family member or you are suicidal, sorry, can't do it because, you know, we don't, 50 years ago, we said it's now maybe not safe. Well, no, I'm, I don't accept that. It's 50 years later, millions of people have used it, many with great benefit. And we have to basically, you know, everybody listening has to like step up a little bit in demanding the right, right now, given the crisis to use these things and just basically say, you know, this is my right and I need this, you know, to, you know, in my life potentially and just push that a little harder. Cause I think once that happens and we get legalization or we get rescheduling of these drugs from right now, they're schedule one, same as, you know, heroin and cocaine and stuff like that, which, you know, schedule one says no medical benefit and, you know, possibility for uh, addiction. And that's just not real. So we have to just lock that down right now and say, not acceptable. We're using these things. You know, we have the right to do it. Uh, I have a nonprofit called the Mind Army that is fighting for the right to do this. And our slogan is, you know, fighting for the right to pursue happiness. Hmm. And that's what this is all about. You can't be told right now that, you know, you have to stay home and you have to do this and that or live your life in a certain way. And then they get to tell you that you can't go inside your own mind. Like no way that's, I'm just don't accept it. So I think once, you know, once, once that happens, we're really going to get the science behind it and people will know how much to take and when to, you know, it's going to be a great system for us. Yeah. That idea of bodily sovereignty is more important than ever. I get to choose, I get to choose what goes in my body I get to make a decision for myself for how, where I go with my consciousness. It is the most, it is the most essential and fundamental of our rights as human beings. And it's, uh, it hangs in the balance, you know, <laughs> it yeah. hangs in the balance. Tell everybody where they can find uh, the Mind Army. Uh, so that is mindarmy.org and love you to anybody to join and and be part of that movement. We're doing some lobbying work. We're doing, you know, just facilitating work. We've been, um, you know, just pressuring with this kind of a a representation of things of just like we're in a crisis and this, the mind army is demanding this, right? It's almost like, you know, you imagine like a, um, like a libertarian would think, you know, it's like, I'm not hurting anybody else. I'm taking, doing this for myself. Like what could possibly be wrong with that? So, you know, we have a, I think like a lot of people think that there's some kind of a conspiracy to keep these things away. I don't think there is. I think it's just a total lack of education and we have to speed up the education because, you know, doctors, if you think about them, of course they want the best for you, but they have no idea what they're talking about as it relates to nutrition. You know, I've never really seen many doctors that were good on nutrition. And then they don't know about cannabis. And it's like, how are these people supposed to be making, you know, and now psychedelics come along, they have no frame of reference. And so we have to educate the system, the government, the the doctors, medical establishment. It's the obligation of the, the psychonauts and people who have tried these and have good benefit to say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's why you need to, you know, get behind this because rather than a conspiracy, I think it's just a total vacuum of education that, that we need to bring forward now. That's really refreshing that because I tend to go, (laughs) I tend to go that direction, this sort of conspiracy and suppression and, um, you know, the origin of, of cannabis prohibition, you know, the, the, the big baddies, you know, suppressing, for cultural reasons and for oppression and, and so forth. So to hear someone who, who has devoted, you know, a lot of your life to, to advocacy, to responsible use, to transformation, to hear you say, no, it's not, it's not necessarily a vast conspiracy. It's just that nobody knows. And, and there's, you know, big, big mushroom. There's no big mushroom lobby. There's no, you know, there's no big ayahuasca <laughs> lobby. Uh, there's no, it's just not a thing. And so they're just not hearing those stories. And, 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 and I think that, you know, the, the cannabis it has begun to shift, but it's still not shift shifted fully. Uh, yeah. you know, when, when Sanjay Gupta 
changed his mind and decided, oh, well, maybe there's some benefits to this. And, and that's, you know, he's sort of a loaded uh, guy with his most recent appearance on, on Joe Rogan. But when he changed his opinion, I think it opened up a lot of people's minds who were either on the fence or, you know, sort of the boomer generation that believed all of the hype from Reefer Madness that, that I, I believe you're right. I think, there, I think there's a shift coming and it does take a lot of time and a lot of intention, and a lot of education in order to, um, to continue to beat that drum effectively. Yeah, no question. I mean, I think it's, uh, I think if there is a silver lining on the pandemic, it's that everybody got really serious about mental health and thinking about that. And I think that's where psychedelics have gained so much, uh, you know, just, uh, it's it, like the growth is exponential across like awareness and doctors and medical uh, studies happening. It's like, it just triggered that, Hey, we do have something that's different. We can't go back to talk therapy and SSRI antidepressants. We need, like Einstein said, if you're going to solve a problem, you can't do it with the same consciousness or thinking that got you into it. This is a different level of thinking. And for me, as an entrepreneur, I've started to uh, focus myself on safety and efficacy because I know that this medical establishment, just like cannabis, they don't want to be saying to a patient, oh, okay, take, you're going to take some mushrooms. They're great. Uh, I don't know. Take like two caps and one stem, you know, see how it is. <laughs> it can't be that way, you know? So I'm involved with a company called Psychoceutical, which is basically like the best of psychedelics meets pharmaceuticals. And we've got some patented delivery systems that allow us to deliver the psychedelics in a more targeted, lower dose way, but where you get more bioavailability. Mm. And so I think this is kind of the future. And like I said, I'm not, you know, I don't want to like throw stones at the medical establishment. I'd rather just say, okay, hey, here is a psychoceutical format, and this is going to allow you to take these compounds in, in a lower dose more effectively. And what I'm excited about is like these patents come from the regular medical establishment. So they already work in pharma and we're bringing them over to the psychedelic space as opposed to a lot of companies in the psychedelic space. They're fighting over patents for, uh, you know, we want mushrooms for weight loss and these guys are this for Alzheimer's. It's like it might take many, many years and they may not get it. There's a lot of risk there. But for me, these delivery systems, it's like if we can. To, you know, increase the bioavailability because I'll give you a, a description is like one of the patents that we have, it uses these layered nanoparticles and you put the compounds in between these layered nanoparticles. They can be any size, any shape, you know, nano level. And it turns out like the shapes, triangle shapes have been found in cancer research to be much better uptake to different areas. So to be able to change the, the size and shape, and then to be able to layer these things in where we can put multiple psychedelics together and release them either together or in time release. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is what the establishment needs to feel comfortable. So I'm basically saying I'm in on trying to support that, you know, ha from happening so that everybody can be more comfortable. That's very interesting. Yeah. That, whoa, you just blowing my mind, Zappy. <laughs> I love it. Well, let me let me blow your mind one more time because the second patent that Psychoceutical has is this uh, delivery of delivering at the back of the neck at the base of the hairline, and it goes directly into the nerve tissue. So you bypass the whole systemic system, the blood and all that. And that's where all the side effects with psychedelics really happen. So it's kind of controversial. People are like, oh, you, you know, because doing it this way, we could actually take the psychedelic effect out of the experience and just give the person say the neural growth and things mm. so it, what's great i think you know i've had some purists say that's horrible you're taking out the psychedelic effect and you know i'm like well wait a minute like you know we have adolescents and senior citizens and all these people who are scared to do psychedelics like if they could get the medical benefit but not have to necessarily have the psychedelic experience like let's at least have that as an option you yeah. know and so i just feel like the technology that we have if we apply it to psychedelics right now it's really going to be an incredible situation because we'll move so much faster than cannabis because i think everybody's looking at psychedelics as like a mental health 
opportunity, yeah. not recreationally something. And, and I think it's going to go right past uh, cannabis in that way. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, one of my coaching clients uh, is a, so I'm, I'm a life coach and performance coach. And one of my coaching clients is a formal, uh, form, retired special ops guy um, in, uh, in military. And he just went and did uh, an experience. I won't say where, but went through this experience here in the States. And they went through a whole bunch of tests, all the blood work. They did the WAVI. They did neurofeedback. I mean, he got hyperbaric, just like the biohacker sort of dream, dream experience. And uh, upon returning, they gave him um, prescriptions and suggestions for um, you know, uh, a smattering of, of, of hormone, you know, testosterone boosting supplements. It included ketamine. Uh, it included a whole bunch, a whole bunch of different things. And I'm looking down and I'm reading through all these things. And I thought to myself, well, if, 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 the, if that place exists, it's making those sorts of suggestions for a guy like this, who has CTE and PTSD and, and, and is, I mean, he's an incredible person. Um, then it was really encouraging to me because it's, then it's not that far out, you know, it it may not be 10 or 15 years before that, that level of acceptance gets there where, Hey, Sillison, however you got to get it, however you can get it, you should get it. Right. Yeah. And and if it doesn't, if it doesn't need to pass through your gut, cool, that's fine. If if you don't need to inhale something that, that goes through your lungs, great. So if it's a patch, far out let's 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 devote time and energy to, to do that because the, the the results are undeniable and they continue yeah. they continue to perform in um you know in these clinical in these clinical trials uh we could man i'm realizing that we're we're gonna need a, a round two at some point because we're yeah <laughs> well, let, me, let me let me just tell you one thing i've observed personally with the veterans um I have my other uh, 501c3 is called the Ketamine Fund, ketaminefund.org. And we've given away 500 plus treatments to veterans, free ketamine treatments. Uh, And some of these guys you can see on the website, some of the testimonials and stuff. But one of the guys was on 22 medications from the VA. And he was like, you know, suicidal, homicidal, the whole thing. He came in, he did his first ketamine treatment and he said, as soon as it was over, he's like, I felt hope for the first time. Hmm. And he said, I actually went home and I hugged my kids and felt love for the first time in like 10 years. And I was just like, Oh my God, you know, and now this guy, he's just doing his booster treatments every couple of weeks and he's off 22 medications and all those side effects. And he's like living life. And I think when I think about optimal performance, uh, I think about like really living in you know, like nature, almost like free flow. And you're just moving forward because I've noticed like when I've gone with friends to like an AA meeting or an NA meeting to support them, I'm lucky I haven't had an addiction myself. But when I've gone, I, you know, I see these people and they're like, I'm totally sober. Yes, I'm sober. And they're like drinking like six cups of coffee with 10 sugars and they're smoking a vape and they're eating a sub sandwich and they're on Xanax and they're like, I'm totally safe. I just got to get to a meeting in like an hour. So I don't use, and it's like, that's not a life. You can't be peak performing in that, but like, you know, one psychedelic session, a really good one based on what you need that could put you in a place like our Ibogaine where, you know, 24 hours later you emerge and you're like, Oh, you know what? I, I, I'm going forward in my life. I'm not going to use, you know, it's like, that's living. That's optimal performance, keeping your, you know, vices and stuff at bay all day long and trying Mm. to, that's, you can't peak performance in that state of mind. Yeah, I totally agree. And the, the refocus, the recalibration uh, into the present moment, which is not easy to do, (laughs) can be a goal for people and psychedelics are, are such a, such a great pathway to that place. Because if you're medicating with sugar or caffeine sort of swapped one one master for another it's it's an improvement apparently of, of course yeah we've sort of touched a little bit about the you know we talked about futurism we've talked about because it's part of your bio right is futurist and, and i think a lot of people when they hear the term futurist they think you know embedded chips and flying cars and so 
what what I struggle with often is envisioning a future that understands the interplay between increased technological advancements and dependency and holistic nature-based communion with Gaia herself. And it's tough for me to sort of envision that. And I've had a couple of conversations with, with people in the psychedelic space that, to see like how they see the future. And this was going to be my first question, but it's now it's going to be one of the last questions is, you know, how do you see as a futurist in the experiences that you've developed, having your kind of toe in, 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 in tech and also in psychedelia, and which is also spirituality, how, what does the future look like in your opinion? Yeah, I'm, the, the future's super bright. I mean, that's the reality is psychedelics are coming out in the right moment. And we have a basic, you know, scientific knowledge and medical knowledge to really move these things ahead really fast. But I think what's really exciting is, you know, I think in the future, probably uh, psilocybin mushroom microdosing, just microdosing a subperceptual amount is probably going to replace all the antidepressants out there. Because I've noticed for myself when I microdose and I've been doing it for some time that on the day that I microdose, I have, you know, more energy, a little bit more joy, I'm more in the present moment. But what I've noticed in the days in between, because I'll do it like on a Monday and a Thursday and on the Tuesday and Wednesday, my decision making is really clear. You know, it's like I'm seeing everything, you know, the way I feel like I need to, the way it resonates with me. And so I'm not making all kinds of mistakes in those days. And I think for society itself to create new neural plasticity in their brain, new neural pathways through these compounds is the way that we're going to get everybody, you know, back to their original frequency before, you know, society, institutions, the media, social media, everything, you know, put all that pressure on you. You can step back a little bit to that original frequency and, you know, they say you have your pineal gland in your head, but, you know, these crystals that are in there and according to science, they can become calcified. And I think some of these things like ketamine, they're a very high vibration frequency. They could kind of like break up some of that calcification and just allow you to have your antenna the way it's supposed to be, not the way it's been conditioned to be. Mm. And so I think that's one. I think two, you know, we're in this human uh, as we're in this human incarnation, it's like this scanning device that's always scanning just for danger all the time. And I think, you know, when you get caught in that type of a human filter, you're looking at everything through that filter. And when you do psychedelics in the right set and setting and the right one for you, you like transcend being human and that ketamine and that present moment awareness, you transcend being human. You don't, you don't even know what a human is. So you're not contextualizing everything that way so then when you come out you're not necessarily tied to all of these patterns that you've built uh previously and i think that's going to be really why mental health in the future it's just gonna it's like horrible right now and it's just going to totally level out and then i would say my final prediction for the psychedelics is that uh they're going to be completely digital they're going to be frequency-based psychedelics so there's already a company right now that is using frequency. You speak into their app for 30 seconds. It'll tell you with 95% accuracy if you have coronavirus by the frequency of your voice. It'll tell you what nutrients and what uh, minerals you're deficient in just from the frequency of your voice. And then there are headphones and speakers and things that you put on. You get the frequency. Let's say you're instead of so instead of taking vitamin C and taking an orange and then goes into your system, into your stomach, chemical reaction, creates this electrical reaction. Instead, what's going to happen is you take these digital frequencies of vitamin C. It tells your brain you're getting vitamin C. It causes the chemical reaction in the body and you get the same thing. So in the future, the psychedelic experience, what's beautiful is it's not going to be able to be controlled by governments when it's not going to be dependent on where you live geographically. You're going to put on your headphones, have the frequency of psilocin or whatever it is, and you're going to get that. And I've used some patches already, uh, some, you know, different me uh, mechanisms and headphones and things to try these frequencies already. 
And I will tell you that the frequency of silicon with no, no material in these patches is being transferred like almost like a battery that holds in the crystal structure of these patches. They're holding the frequency of silicon. You put it on your body, it starts to emit and you immediately feel a much more, you know, peaceful vibration that you're at. And Whoa. so, yeah, to me, that is the ultimate, you know, democratization of psychedelics is going to be this digital future. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's why I say the future is looking good. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. That gives, that's, that's such an optimistic look at solutions, options. Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. Yeah. We got big peak, big peak performance. If anything, I think psychedelics really are about peak performance and, you know, uh, John, John Lilly, uh, worked in the sixties and seventies with Timothy Leary, uh, studying ketamine. And I know you brought up the float tank. John Lilly invented the float tank. And he said that if you want to meet God, do ketamine and go into the float tank. The future of health optimization, it has to be custom. It has to be specific to the individual and not just the individual, but where that individual is right then and there. And so if there's some sort of delivery mechanism or platform that's like just the right amount for just the right duration at just the right time of day, and really, really is exciting for me because we already have the technology to do it. And, and yes. now it's just a matter of, of uh, resources and organizations. Yeah. Uh, no, like you yours. Know what? It's, it's funny, like you're saying, uh, the psychedelics are really, they are adaptogens, you know, they give you what you need. If you're low in serotonin, they're going to tweak something. If you're, you know, manic, they're going to do something else. It's like they really have the ability to kind of bring you back to homeostasis. And anytime I've seen somebody in peak performance or even cure themselves from like a major health disaster, it's because they get their immune system into this peak performance and then it cures everything as opposed to like something being a cure for cancer or being a cure for this or that. It's like, if you can get your immune system into perfect peak you know, performance, you can cure anything. Mm. So I think that's like really where these psychedelics are going to help. And I know, you know, some people, you know, even say, oh, I don't know, you know, those are like, you know, I don't think that's for me or religiously, I don't think I, you know, that and this. And I think, you know, if there is a God that is all knowing, don't you think they would have put something here on this Mm -hmm. earth to help us to tap into peak performance and spirituality. I mean, that just makes sense. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to be like, you know, at some judgment conference with God sitting there, uh, you know, and, and, and they're looking at me going, I put these mushrooms like right there. Like they're all over the place. <laughs> Everywhere. Like, what are you doing? You know? And so <laughs> I think we just have to embrace that. We're really lucky that, you know, in a time where we need something completely outside of the box that could raise consciousness, empathy, um, peak performance, brain power, collective consciousness that we have it and we get to tap into it. So Mm. I have no doubt that humans are going to realize that that's the way out and we're going to go down a much smoother path going forward. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm with you here, here. Um, before I ask the last question, which is a fill in the blank question, where can people find you? Where can they, where can they connect? Where do you want to send them on the internet? Uh, best place is probably uh, Zappy Zappelin on uh, Instagram or Facebook, Z-A-P-P-Y, Z-A-P-O-L-I-N. Uh, just, you know, zappyzappelin.com is my website. You can get to most places from there and, um, you know, stay in touch through t- social media, reach out through social media. I'm there. So if, if anybody wants to reach out uh, or has a question, that kind of thing, I'm available there. Awesome. And we'll link to your organizations in the show notes so that people can do their own research and go go check out the, the nonprofits. Cool. Thank you. So th- this last question it can be based on anything in your, in your experience, um, and you can elaborate as much or as little as you wish, but please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing... I would say everyone would benefit from knowing 
who they are and what their purpose is. And I think that that is like the human drama. And I've noticed and seen anecdotally, you know, thousands of people that I've, you know, around me, you know, get closer to understanding, you know, what their original frequency is. And I think if you get more in touch with that original frequency, you're going to find your purpose. You're going to find your path. You're not going to be, you know, you're going to be able to evaluate things based on your, how the energy of things feels to you, as opposed to you just going, oh, what's the best information I can get? Or what is this person thing? It's like, no, get, get to who you are, your original frequency. And then I think you can make these types of determinations regardless of how intense, you know, the, the situation is. That's great. That's really, really great. Yeah. I hope, hopefully people can uh, ruminate on that. Think about that a little bit and what, and, and if there's any takeaway from today, it's to, it's to, to really focus on figuring out what that is, who you are, what's important to you. How do you want to serve humanity? There's so much, there's so much value and depth and um, meaning in, in that, in that journey. Zappy, this has been great. I, I really, there's so many other things I want to talk to you about. So we got to, we got to schedule a round, round two. Yeah. Let's quickly. Yeah, I want to, I want to tell you about some of the other things I'm working on. We're rolling out a, uh, an at-home ketamine treatment called KetaMD, where people can use a lozenge at home guided over telemedicine with a nurse. And it's an incredible equalizer because up until this point, people have had to be either wealthy or live in California or New York today. And so I just think, you know, democratizing this stuff is important and, you know, using media and using whatever, uh, you know, we have, like you said, everybody can do something. It's like, we have to use more of our brain than this 5% right now. And if we have a solution, let's get to the bottom of that and, you know, raise this consciousness here. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Zappy, thank you so much for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it.